Section number four of Great Pirate Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patrick McAfee. Great Pirate Stories by Various. Edited by Joseph Lewis French. Section four. The Wonderful Fight of the Exchange of Bristol with the Pirates of Algiers by Samuel Purchas In the year 1621, in the first of November, there was one John Rawlins, born in Rochester, and dwelling three-and-twenty year in Plymouth, employed to the Strait of Gibraltar by Master Richard and Stephen Treviles, merchants of Plymouth, and freighted in a bark called the Nicholas of Plymouth, of the burden of forty ton, which had also in her company another ship of Plymouth, called the George Benaventure, of seventy ton, burthen, or thereabouts, which by reason of her greatness beyond the other, I will name the Admiral, and John Rollins' bark shall, if you please, be the Vice-Admiral. These two, according to the time of the year, had a fair passage, and by the 18th of the same month came to a place at the entering of the straits named Trafalgar. But the next morning, being in the sight of Gibraltar, at the very mouth of the straits, the watch descried five sail of ships, who, as it seemed, used all the means they could to come near us, and we, as we had cause, used the same means to go as far from them. Yet did their admiral take in both his top sails, that either we might not suspect them, or that his own company might come up the closer together. At last, perceiving us Christians, they fell from devices to apparent discovery of hostility, and making out against us, we again, suspecting them pirates, took our course to escape from them, and made all the sails we possibly could for Tirif, or Gibraltar, but all we could do could not prevent their approach. For suddenly one of them came right over against us to windward, and so fell upon our quarter. Another came upon our luff, and so threatened us there, and at last all five chased us, making great speed to surprise us. Their admiral was called Callfater, having upon her main topsail two topgallant sails, one above another. But whereas we thought them all five to be Turkish ships of war, we afterwards understood that two of them were their prizes, the one a small ship of London, the other of the West Country, that came out of the Quaktath, laden with figs and other merchandise, but now subject to the fortune of the sea and the captivity of pirates. But to our business. Three of these ships got much upon us, and so much that ere half the day was spent, the admiral, who was the best sailor, fetched up the George Bonaventure and made booty of it. The vice-admiral, again being nearest unto the lesser bark, whereof John Rawlins was master, showed him the force of a stronger arm, and by his Turkish name, called Villa Rise, commanded him in like sort to strike his sails and submit to his mercy, which not to be gainsaid nor prevented, was quickly done, and so Rawlins, with his bark, was quickly taken, although the rear admiral, being the worst sailor of the three, called Reggie Prize, came not in till all was done. The same day before night, the admiral, either loath to pester himself with too much company, or ignorant of the commodity that was to be made by the sale of English prisoners, or daring not to trust them in his company for fear of mutinies and exciting others to rebellion, set twelve persons who were in the George Bonaventure on the land, and diverse other English, whom he had taken before, to try their fortunes in an unknown country. 
But Villarise, the vice-admiral that had taken John Rawlins, would not so dispense with his men, but commanded him and five more of his company to be brought aboard his ship, leaving in his bark three men and his boy, with thirteen Turks and Moors, who were questionless sufficient to overmaster the other and direct the bark to harbor. Thus they sailed directly for Algiers, but the night following followed them with great tempest and foul weather, which ended not without some effect of a storm, for they lost the sight of Rawlins' bark, called the Nicholas, and in a manner lost themselves, though they seemed safe a shipboard, by fearful conjecturing what should become of us at last by the two and twentieth of the same month they or we choose you whether arrived at algiers and came in safety within the mould but found not our other bark there nay though we earnestly inquired after the same yet heard we nothing to our satisfaction but much matter was ministered to our discomfort and amazement for although the captain and our overseers were loath we should have any conference with our countrymen, yet did we adventure to inform ourselves of the present affairs, both of the town and the shipping, so that finding many English at work in other ships, they spared not to tell us the danger we were in and the mischiefs we must needs incur as being sure if we were not used like slaves to be sold as slaves for there had been five hundred brought into the market for the same purpose and above a hundred handsome youths compelled to turn turks or made subject to more viler prostitution and all english yet like good christians they bade us be of good cheer and comfort ourselves in this that God's trials were gentle purgations, and these crosses were but to cleanse the dross from the gold and bring us out of the fire again more clear and lovely. Yet I must needs confess that they afforded us reason for this cruelty, as if they determined to be revenged of our last attempt to fire their ships in the mold and therefore protested to spare none whom they could surprise and take alive, but either to sell them for money, or torment them to serve their own turns. Now their customs and usages in both these was in this manner. First concerning the first, the Bashaw had the overseeing of all prisoners, who were presented unto him at their first coming into the harbor, and to choose one out of every eight for a present or fee to himself. The rest were raided by the captains, and so sent to the market to be sold, whereat if either there were repining or any drawing back, then certain moors and officers attended either to beat you forward or thrust you into the sides with goads, and this was the manner of the selling of slaves." Secondly, concerning their enforcing them, either to turn Turk, or to attend their filthiness and impieties, although it would make a Christian's heart bleed to hear of the same, yet must the truth not be hid, nor the terror left untold. They commonly lay them on their naked backs or bellies, beating them so long, till they bleed at the nose and mouth, and if yet they continue constant, then they strike the teeth out of their heads, pinch them by their tongues, and use many other sorts of tortures to convert them. Nay, many times they lay them their whole length in the ground like a grave, and so cover them with boards, threatening to starve them if they will not turn, and so many, even for fear of torment and death, make their tongues betray their hearts to a most fearful wickedness and so are circumcised with new names and brought to confess a new religion others again i must confess who never knew any god but their own sensual lusts and pleasures 
thought that any religion would serve their turns, and so, for preferment or wealth, very voluntarily renounced their faith and became renegados in despite of any counsel which seemed to intercept them, and this was the first news we encountered with at our coming first to Algiers. The 26th of the same month, John Rawlins, his bark with his other three men and a boy, came safe into the mould, and so were put all together to be carried before the Bashaw. But that they took the owner's servant and Rawlins' boy, and by force and torment compelled them to turn Turks, then they were they in all seven English, besides John Rawlins, of whom the Bashaw took one, and sent the rest to their captains, who set a valuation upon them, and so the soldiers hurried us like dogs into the market, whereas men sell hackneys in England. We were tossed up and down to see who would give most for us, and although we had heavy hearts and looked with sad countenances, yet many came to behold us, sometimes taking us by the hand, sometimes turning us round about, sometimes feeling our bronze and naked arms, and so beholding our prices written on our breasts. They bargained for us accordingly, and at last we were all sold, and the soldiers returned with the money to their captains. John Rawlins was the last who was sold by reason of his lame hand, and bought by the captain that took him, even that dog Villa Rise, who better informing himself of his skill fit to be a pilot, and his experience to be an overseer, bought him and his carpenter at very easy rates. For, as we afterwards understood by diverse English renegados, he paid for Rollins but one hundred and fifty doublets, which make of English money seven pound ten shilling. Thus was he and his carpenter, with diverse other slaves, sent into his ship to work, and employed about such affairs as belonging to the well-rigging and preparing the same. But the villainous Turks, perceiving his lame hand, and that he could not perform so much as other slaves, quickly complained to their patron, who as quickly apprehended the inconvenience, whereupon he sent for him the next day, and told him he was unserviceable for his present purpose, and therefore, unless he could procure fifteen pound of the English, there for his ransom, he would send him up into the country, where he should never see Christendom again, and endure the extremity of a miserable banishment. But see how God worketh all for the best for his servants, and confounded the presumption of tyrants, frustrating their purposes to make his wonders known to the sons of men, and relieves his people when they least think of succor and releasement. Whilst John Rollins was thus terrified with the dogged answer of Villarise, the exchange of Bristow, a ship formerly surprised by the pirates, lay all unrigged in the harbour till at last one John Goodale, an English Turk, with his confederates, understanding she was a good sailor and might be made a proper man of war, bought her from the Turks that took her, and prepared her for their own purpose. Now the captain that set them at work was also an English renegado, by the name of Ramatham Rise, but by his Christian name Henry Chandler, who resolved to make Goodale master over her, and because they were both English Turks, having the command notwithstanding of many Turks and Moors, they concluded to have all English slaves to go in her, and for their gunners, English and Dutch renegados. And so they agreed with the patrons of nine English and one French slave for their ransoms, who were presently employed to rig and furnish the ship for a man of war. And while they were thus busied, two of John Rawlins' men, 
who were taken with him were also taken up to serve in this man of war. Their names, James Rowe and John Davies, the one dwelling in Plymouth and the other in Foy, where the commander of this ship was also born, by which occasion they came acquainted so that both the captain and the master promised them good usage upon the good service they should perform in the voyage, and withal demanded of them if they knew of any Englishman to be bought that could serve as a pilot, both to direct them out of harbor and conduct them in their voyage. For in truth neither was the captain a mariner, nor any Turk in her of sufficiency to dispose of her through the straits in security, nor oppose any enemy that should hold it out bravely against them. Davies quickly replied that as far as he understood, Villa Rise would sell John Rawlins, his master and commander of the bark which was taken, a man every way sufficient for sea affairs, being of great resolution and good experience, and for all he had a lame hand. Yet had he a sound heart and noble courage for any attempt or adventure. When the captain understood thus much, he employed Davies to search for Rawlins, who at last, lighting upon him, asked him if the Turk would sell him. Rawlins suddenly answered that by reason of his lame hand he was willing to part with him, but because he had disbursed money for him, he would gain something by him, and so prized him at three hundred doublets, which amounteth to fifteen pound English, which he must procure or incur sore endurances. When Davies had certified this much, the Turks, a shipboard conferred about the matter, and the master, whose Christian name was John Goodale, joined with two Turks, who were consorted with him, and dispersed one hundred doublets apiece, and so bought him of Villa Rise, sending him into the said ship, called the Exchange of Bristow, as well to supervise what had been done, as to order what was left undone, but especially to fit the sails and to accommodate the ship, all which Rawlins was very careful and diligent in, not yet thinking of any peculiar plot of deliverance, more than a general desire to be freed from this Turkish slavery and inhumane abuses. By the 7th of January, the ship was prepared with twelve good cast pieces, and all manner of munition and provision which belonged to such a purpose, and the same day hailed out of the mould of Algier, with this company and in this manner. There were in her sixty-three Turks and Moors, nine English slaves and one French, four Hollanders that were free men, to whom the Turks promised one prize or other, and so to return to Holland, or if they were disposed to go back again for Algier. They should have great reward and no enforcement offered, but continue as they would, both their religion and their customs, and for their gunners they had two of our soldiers, one English and one Dutch renegado, and thus much for the company. For the manner of setting out, it was as usual as in other ships, but that the Turks delighted in the ostentous bravery of their streamers, banners, and topsails, the ship being a handsome ship, and well built for any purpose. The slaves and English were employed under hatches about the ordnance and other works of order, and accommodating themselves, all which John Rawlins marked as supposing it an intolerable slavery to take such pains, and be subject to such dangers, and still to enrich other men, and maintain their voluptuous filthiness and lives, returning themselves as slaves, and living worse than their dogs amongst them. Whereupon he burst out into these, or the like abrupt speeches, Oh, hellish slavery to be thus subject to dogs! Oh, God, strengthen my heart and hand, that something shall be done to ease us of these mischiefs, 
and deliver us from these cruel Mahometan dogs. The other slaves, pitying his distraction, as they thought, bade him speak softly, lest they should all fare the worse for his distemperature. The worse, quoth Rawlins, what can be worse? I will either attempt my deliverance at one time or another, or perish in the enterprise. But if you would be contented to hearken after a release, and join with me in the action, I would not doubt of facilitating the same, and show you a way to make your credits thrive by some work of amazement, and augment your glory in purchasing your liberty. I prithee be quiet, said they again, and think not of impossibilities. Yet, if you can, but open such a door of reason and probability that we be not condemned for desperate and distracted persons in pulling the sun, as it were, out of the firmament. We can but sacrifice our lives, and you may be sure of secrecy and faithfulness. The 15th of January, the morning water brought us near Cape de Gat, hard by the shore, we having in our company a small Turkish ship of war that followed us out of Algier the next day, and now joining with us, gave us notice of seven small vessels, six of them being Salais and one Pollock, who very quickly appeared in sight, and so we made toward them, but having more advantage of the Pollock than the rest, and loath to lose all, we both fetched her up, and brought her past hope of recovery, which when she perceived, rather than she would voluntarily come into the slavery of these Mahometans, she ran herself ashore, and so all the men forsook her. We still followed as near as we durst, and for fear of splitting, let fall our anchors, sending out both our boats, wherein were many musketeers and some English and Dutch renegados, who came aboard home at their conge, and found three pieces of ordnance and four murderers, but they straightway threw them all overboard to lighten the ship, and so they got her off, being laden with hides and logwood for dying, and presently sent her to Algier, taking nine Turks and one English slave out of one ship and six out of the lesser which we thought sufficient to man her. In the rifling of this Catalania, our Turks fell at variance one with another, and in such a manner that we divided ourselves, the lesser ship returned to Algier, and our exchange took the opportunity of the wind and plied out of the straits, which rejoiced John Rawlins very much, as resolving on some stratagem when opportunities should serve. In the meanwhile, the Turks began to murmur, and would not willingly go into the Mat Granada, as the phrase is amongst them, notwithstanding the Moors, being very superstitious, were contented to be directed by their Hoshea, who with us signifieth a witch, and is of great account and reputation amongst them, as not going in any great vessel to sea without one, and observing whatsoever he concludeth out of his divination. The ceremonies they use are many, and when they come into the ocean, every second or third night they make their conjuration. It beginneth and endeth with prayer, using many characters and calling upon God by diverse names. Yet at this time all that they did consisted in these particulars. Upon the sight of two great ships, and as we were afraid of their chasing us, they being supposed to be Spanish men of war, a great silence is commanded in the ship, and when all is done, the company giveth as great a screech, the captain coming to John Rawlins, and sometimes making him take in all his sails, and sometimes causing him to hoist them all out, as the witch findeth by his book and presages. Then have they two arrows and a kirtle axe lying upon a pillow naked. The arrows are one for the Turks and the other for the Christians. 
then the witch readeth and the captain or some other taketh the arrows in their hand by the heads and if the arrow for the christians cometh over the head of the arrow for the turks then do they advance their sails and will not endure the fight whatsoever they see but if the arrow of the Turks is found in the opening of the hand upon the arrow of the Christians, then will they stay an encounter with any ship whatsoever. The curtle axe is taken up by some child that is innocent, or rather ignorant of the ceremony, and so laid down again, then do they observe whether the same side is uppermost which lay before, and so proceed accordingly. They also observe lunatics and changelings, and the conjurer writeth down their sayings in a book, groveling on the ground, as if he whispered to the devil to tell him the truth, and so expoundeth the letter, as it were by inspiration. Many other foolish rites they have, whereupon they do dote as foolishly. Whilst he was busied and made demonstration that all was finished, the people in the ship gave a great shout and cried out, A sail! A sail! Which at last was discovered to be another man of war of Turks. For he made toward us and sent his boat aboard us, to whom our captain complained that being becalmed by the southern cape and having made no voyage, the Turks denied to go any further northward, but the captain resolved not to return to Algier, except he could obtain some prize worthy his endurances, but rather to go to Salay and tell his Christians to victual his ship, which the other captain apprehended for his honor, and so persuaded the Turks to be obedient unto him, whereupon followed a pacification amongst us and so that turk took his course for the straits and we put up northward expecting the good hour of some beneficial booty all this while our slavery continued and the turks with insulting tyranny set us still on work in all base and servile actions adding stripes and inhumane revilings, even in our greatest labor, whereupon John Rawlins resolved to obtain his liberty and surprise the ship, providing ropes with broad spikes of iron and all the iron crows with which he knew a way, upon consent of the rest, to ram up or tie fast their scuttles, gratings, and cabins, yea, to shut up the captain himself with all his consorts, and so to handle the matter, that upon the watchword given, the English, being masters of the gunner room, ordnance, and powder, they would either blow them into the air, or kill them as they adventured to come down one by one, if they should by any chance open their cabins but because he would proceed the better in his enterprise, as he had somewhat abruptly discovered himself to the nine English slaves, so he kept the same distance with the four Hollanders that were free men, till finding them coming somewhat toward them, he acquainted them with the whole conspiracy, and they, effecting the plot, offered the adventure of their lives in the business." Then very warily he undermined the English renegado, which was the gunner, and three more his associates, who at first seemed to retract. Last of all were brought in the Dutch renegados, who were also in the gunner room, for always there lay twelve there, five Christians and seven English, and Dutch Turks, so that when another motion had settled their resolutions, and John Rawlins, his constancy had put new life, as it were, in the matter. The four Hollanders, very honestly, according to their promise, sounded the Dutch renegados, who with easy persuasion gave their consent to so brave an enterprise, whereupon John Rawlins, 
not caring whether the English gunners would yield or no, resolved in the captain's morning watch to make the attempt. But you must understand that where the English slaves lay, there hung up always four or five crows of iron, being still under the carriages of the pieces. And when the time approached, being very dark, because John Rawlins would have his crow of iron ready, as other things were, and other men prepared in their several places, in taking it out of the carriage, by chance, it hit on the side of the piece, making such a noise that the soldiers, hearing it, awaked the Turks and bade them come down, whereupon the boatswain of the Turks descended with a candle and presently searched all the slaves' places, making much ado of the matter, but finding neither hatchet nor hammer, nor anything else to move suspicion of the enterprise, more than the crow of iron which lay slipped down under the carriages of the pieces. They went quietly up again and certified the captain what had chanced, who satisfied himself that it was a common thing to have a crow of iron slip from its place. But by this occasion we made stay of our attempt, yet were resolved to take another or a better opportunity. For we sailed still more northward, and Rawlins had more time to tamper with his gunners, and the rest of the English renegados who very willingly, when they considered the matter and perpended the reasons, gave way unto the project, and with a kind of joy seemed to entertain the motives, only they made a stop at the first onset who should begin the enterprise, which was no way fit for them to do, because they were no slaves but renegados, and so had always beneficial entertainment amongst them. But when it is once put in practice, they would be sure not to fail them, but venture their lives for God and their country. But once again he is disappointed, and a suspicious accident brought him to recollect his spirits anew and study on the danger of the enterprise, and thus it was. After the renegado gunner had protested secrecy by all that might induce a man to bestow some belief upon him, he presently went up the scuttle, but stayed not aloft a quarter of an hour, nay, he came sooner down, and in the gunner room sate by Rawlins, who tarried for him where he left him. He was no sooner placed and entered into some conference, but there entered into the place a furious Turk with his knife drawn, and presented it to Rawlins, his body who verily supposed he intended to kill him, as suspicious that the gunner had discovered something, whereat Rawlins was much moved, and hastily asked what the matter meant, and whether he would kill him, observing his companion's countenance to change color, whereby his suspicious heart condemned him for a traitor, but at more leisure he sware the contrary, and afterward proved faithful and industrious in the enterprise. For the present he answered Rawlins in this manner, No, master, be not afraid, I think he doth but jest. With that John Rawlins gave back a little and drew out his knife, stepping also to the gunner's sheath and taking out his, whereby he had two knives to one, which, when the Turk perceived, he threw down his knife, saying he did but jest with him. But when the gunner perceived, Rawlins took it so ill, he whispered something in his ear that at last satisfied him, calling heaven to witness that he never spake word of the enterprise, nor ever would, either to the prejudice of the business or danger of his person. Notwithstanding, Rawlins kept the knives in his sleeve all night and was somewhat troubled, for that he had made so many acquainted with an action of such importance. But the next day, when he perceived the coast clear and that there was no cause of further fear, he somewhat comforted himself. 
all this while rollins drew the captain to lie for the northern cape assuring him that thereby he should not miss a prize which accordingly fell out as a wish would have it but his drift was in truth to draw him from any supply or help of turks if god should give way to their enterprise or success to the victory yet for the present the sixth of february being twelve leagues from the cape we descried a sail and presently took the advantage of the wind in chasing her and at last fetched her up making her strike all her sails whereby we knew her to be a bark belonging to tor bay near dartmouth that came from arur laden with salt ere we had fully dispatched it chanced to be foul weather so that we could not or at least would not make out our boat but caused the master of the bark to let down his and come aboard with his company being in the bark but nine men and one boy and so the master leaving his mate with two men in the ship came himself with five men and the boy unto us whereupon our turk captain sent ten turks to man her amongst whom were two dutch and one english renegado who were of our confederacy and acquainted with the business but when rollins saw this partition of his friends before they could hoist out their boat for the bark he made means to speak with them and told them plainly that he would prosecute the matter either that night or the next and therefore whatsoever came of it they should acquaint the english with his resolution and make toward england bearing up the helm while the turks slept and suspected no such matter for by god's grace in his first watch about midnight he would show them a light by which they might understand that the enterprise was begun or at least in a good forwardness for the execution and so the boat was let down and they came to the bark of torbay where the master's mate being left as before you have heard apprehended quickly the matter and heard the discourse with amazement but time was precious and not to be spent in disputing or casting of doubts whether the turks that were with them were able to master them or no being seven to six considering they had the helm of the ship and the turks being soldiers and ignorant of sea affairs could not discover whether they went to algier or no or if they did they resolved by rollins example to cut their throats or cast them overboard and so i leave them to make use of the renegado's instructions and return to rollins again the master of the bark of torbay and his company were quickly searched and as quickly pillaged and dismissed to the liberty of the ship whereby rollins had leisure to entertain him with the lamentable news of their extremities and in a word of every particular which was befitting to the purpose yea he told him that that night he should lose the sight of them for they would make the helm for england and he would that night and evermore pray for their good success and safe deliverance when the master of the bark of torbay had heard him out and that his company were partakers of his story they became all silent not either diffident of his discourse or afraid of the attempt but resolved to assist him yet to show himself an understanding man he demanded of rollins what weapons he had and in what manner he would execute the business to which he answered that he had ropes and iron hooks to make fast the scottles gratings and cabins he had also in the gunner room two curtlexes and the slaves had five crows of iron before them besides in the scuffling they made no question of some of the soldiers weapons then for the manner he told them they were sure of the ordnance the gunner room and the powder and so blocking them up would either kill them as they came down or turn the ordnance against their cabins or blow them into the air by one stratagem or other and thus were they contented on all sides and resolved to the enterprise the next morning being the seventh of february the prize of torbay was not to be seen or found 
whereat the captain began to storm and swear commanding rawlins to search the seas up and down for her who bestowed all that day in the business but to little purpose whereupon when the humour was spent the captain pacified himself as conceding he should sure find her at algier but by the permission of the ruler of all actions that algier was england and all his wickedness frustrated for rawlins being now startled lest he should return in this humour for the straits on the eighth of february went down into the hold and finding a great deal of water below told the captain of the same adding that it did not come to the pump which he said very politically that he might remove the ordnance for when the captain asked him the reason he told him the ship was too far after the head then he commanded to use the best means he could to bring her in order sure then quoth rawlins we must quit our cables and bring four pieces of ordnance after and that would bring the water to the pump which was presently put in practice so the pieces being usually made fast thwart the ship we brought two of them with their mouths right before the binnacle and because the renegado flemings would not begin it was thus concluded that the ship having three decks we that did belong to the gunner room should be all there and break up the lower deck the english slaves who always lay in the middle decks should do the like and watch the scuttles rawlins himself prevailed with the gunner for so much powder as should prime the pieces and so told them all there was no better watchword nor means to begin than upon the report of the peace to make a cry and shout for god and king james and st george for england when all things were prepared and every man resolved as knowing what he had to do and the hour when it should happen to be two in the afternoon rawlins advised the master gunner to speak to the captain that the soldiers might attend on the poop which would bring the ship after to which the captain was very willing and upon the gunner's information the soldiers gat themselves to the poop to the number of twenty and five or six went into the captain's cabin where always lay diverse curtleaxes and some targets and so we fell to work to pump the water and carried the matter fairly till the next day which was spent as the former being the ninth of february and as god must have the praise the triumph of our victory for by that time all things were prepared and the soldiers got upon the poop as the day before to avoid suspicion all that did belong to the gunner room went down and the slaves in the middle deck attended their business so that we could cast up our account in this manner first nine english slaves besides john rawlins five of the torbay men and one boy four english renegados and two french four hollanders in all four and twenty and a boy so that lifting up our hearts and hands to god for the success of the business we were wonderfully encouraged and settled ourselves till the report of the peace gave us warning of the enterprise now you must consider that in this company were two of rawlins men james Rowe and john davies whom he brought out of england and whom the fortune of the sea brought into the same predicament with their master these were employed about noon being as i said the ninth of february to prepare their matches while all the turks or at least most of them stood on the poop to weigh down the ship as it were to bring the water forward to the pump the one brought his match lighted between two spoons the other brought his in a little piece of a can and so in the name of god the turks and moors being placed as you have heard and five and forty in number and rawlins having proined the touch-holes james Rowe gave fire to one of the pieces about two of the clock in the afternoon and the confederates upon the warning shouted most cheerfully the report of the piece did tear and break down all the binnacle and compasses and the noise of the slaves made all the soldiers amassed at the matter 
till seeing the quarter of the ship rent and feeling the whole body to shake under them, understanding the ship was surprised and the attempt tended to their utter destruction, never bear robbed of her whelps was so fell and mad, for they not only called us dogs and cried out, Usance de la mer, which is as much to say the fortune of the wars, but attempted to tear up the planks, setting a work hammers and hatchets, knives and oars of the boat, the boat hook, their curtle axes, and what else came to hand, besides stones and bricks in the cook room, all which they threw amongst us attempting still and still to break and rip up the hatches and boards of the steering, not desisting from their former execrations and horrible blasphemies and revilings. When John Rawlins perceived them so violent and understood how the slaves had cleared the decks of all the Turks and Moors beneath, he set a guard upon the powder and charged their own muskets against them, killing them from diverse scout holes, both before and behind, and so lessened their number, to the joy of all our hearts, whereupon they cried out and called for the pilot, and so Rollins, with some to guard him, went to them, and understood them by their kneeling, that they cried for mercy, and to have their lives saved, and they would come down, which he bade them do, and so they were taken one by one, and bound, yea, killed with their own curtle-axes, which, when the rest perceived, they called us English dogs, and reviled us with many opprobrious terms, some leaping overboard, crying it was the chance of war, some were manacled, and so thrown overboard, and some were slain and mangled with the curtle-axes, till the ship was well cleared, and ourselves assured of the victory." At the first report of our peace, and hurly-burly in the decks, the captain was a-writing in his cabin, and hearing the noise thought it some strange accident, and so came out with his curtle-axe in his hand, presuming by his authority to pacify the mischief. But when he cast his eyes upon us, and saw that we were like to surprise the ship, he threw down his curtle-axe and begged us to save his life, intimating unto Rawlins how he had redeemed him from Villa Rise, and ever since admitted him to place of command in the ship, besides honest usage in the whole course of the voyage, all which Rawlins confessed, and at last condescended to mercy, and brought the captain and five more into England. The captain was called Ramthan Rise, but his Christian name Henry Chandler, and, as they say, was a Chandler's son in Southwark. John Goodale was also an English Turk. Richard Clark in Turkish Iafar. George Cook, Ramdam, John Brown, Mame, William Winter, Mustafa. Besides, all the slaves and Hollanders with other renegados who were willing to be reconciled to their true savior as being formerly seduced with the hopes of riches, honor, preferment, and such like devilish baits to catch the souls of mortal men and entangle frailty in the fetters of horrible abuses and imposturing deceit. When all was done and the ship cleared of the dead bodies, John Rawlins assembled his men together, and with one consent gave the praise unto God, using the accustomed service on shipboard, and for want of books lifted up their voices to God, as he put into their hearts or renewed their memories. Then did they sing a psalm, and last of all embraced one another for playing the men in such a deliverance, whereby our fear was turned into joy, and trembling hearts exhilarated that we had escaped such inevitable dangers, and especially the slavery and terror of bondage, worse than death itself. The same night we washed our ship, put everything in as good order as we could, repaired the broken quarter, set up the binnacle, and bore up the helm for England, where by God's grace and good guiding we arrived at Plymouth, the 13th of February, and were welcomed like the recovery of the lost sheep, 
or as you read of a loving mother that runneth with embraces to entertain her son from a long voyage and escape of many dangers. Not long after we understood of our confederates that returned home in the bark of Tor Bay, that they arrived in Penzance in Cornwall the 11th of February, and if any ask after their deliverance, considering there were ten Turks sent to man her, I will tell you that too. The next day after they lost us, as you have heard, and that the three renegados had acquainted the master's mate and the two English in her with Rollins' determination, and that they themselves would be true to them and assist them in any enterprise then, if the worst came, there were but seven to six, but as it fell out, they had a more easy passage than turmoil or manslaughter. For they made the Turks believe the wind was come fair, and that they were sailing to Algier, till they came within sight of England, which one of them amongst the rest discovered, saying plainly that that land was not like Cape Vincent. Yes, faith, said he, that was at the helm, and you will be contented, and go down into the hold, and trim the salt over to windward, whereby the ship may bear full sail you shall know and see more to-morrow whereupon five of them went down very orderly the renegados feigning themselves asleep who presently start up and with the help of the two english nailed down the hatches whereat the principal amongst them much repined and began to grow into choler and rage had it not quickly been suppressed for one of them stepped to him and dashed out his brains and threw him overboard. The rest were brought to Exeter and either to be arraigned according to the punishment of delinquents in such a kind or disposed of as the king and council shall think meet. And this is the story of this deliverance and end of John Rawlins' voyage. The actors in this comic tragedy are most of them alive the turks are in prison the ship is to be seen and rollins himself dare justify the matter end of chapter four the wonderful fight of the exchange of bristol with the pirates of algiers recording by patrick mcafee chicago gis dot depaul dot edu slash p mcafee